One of the controlling concepts of the Bible is the idea of covenant. God, as Scripture testifies, cannot lie. His word is always trustworthy. He says what he means and means what he says and speaks only the truth to us. We, however, are not as perfectly holy as he is. In our sin, we lie to ourselves, others, and in our fallen state also sinfully doubt him as though some of what he says is not trustworthy. It was that very doubting of his veracity that was at the center of the fall in Eden. Had we believed him and not the enemy or our own selves, we would have never taken the fruit he told us would be our death to him in disobedience. This is the reason why salvation is a matter of faith, a matter of believing the testimony of what Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection. Faith is the opposite of unbelief, the unbelief that led to our destruction. And so his word, all of it, must be received by faith. This is what reverses the fall. So good is our God, and so aware is he of how this matter of unbelief still infects humanity, he condescends to not only make certain promises to us, but to swear to those promises over and above just making them. When he does this, it's called a covenant. He makes a formal act of it, so that our hearts and minds will drink in the seriousness and the unbreakable nature of certain of his promises, the promises which are most vital to our relationship to him. Now in Jeremiah 31, we read that God declared to disobedient Israel, suffering exile for its sins, that one day he would make a new covenant with them, new because he had made one with them as a people once before but they had broken that one. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 32 puts it this way, quote, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, close quote. That old covenant referred to is, at its core, the Ten Commandments, and all that springs from, surrounds, and supports them. They were for that time, and the prominent feature of those commandments is found in the repeated words, Thou shalt, and thou shalt not. Do this, and don't do that. Its focus was upon them, what they should do and not do. But what about this new covenant? Luke 22.20 has Jesus inaugurating it at the Last Supper. So we read that Jesus, quote, took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, close quote. And that is the covenant for this time, a covenant which does not have Ten Commandments built around Thou shalt and Thou shalt not, but around five I wills. The only they shall issues from the I wills God promises to perform. See the contrast? The responsibility for maintaining this new covenant 
shifts from us and our weaknesses to His eternal strength and commitment. And this is the covenant all believers in Christ live in now. We've gone from ten to five. That's what time it is. And Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 reads, quote, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. First, I will put my law within them. Second, and I will write it on their hearts. Third, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For fourth, I will forgive their iniquity. And fifth, I will remember their sin no more. What time is it? We've gone from ten to five. Believers live under this new covenant now made, sealed, and testified to in the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't live back there. Live here. I'm Reed Ferguson, and this has been today's reading. Thanks for joining me.